0: So I, okay. So today I have to end like right at ten fifteen. Um, last year, coming out of Yona, I realized I've always had a lot of questions on Yona, but the more you look at it, the more the questions seem to grow. And in particular, well, I'm gonna sh- I'll tell you kind of four questions, but they're really more than. So like each one starts opening up windows of more questions and more, you know, okay. So here's an example. And most of what we're gonna look at is near the end of the book of Yonah. So that already brings you to the first question, which is you say to somebody, what's Yonah about? Well, Yonah, he was supposed to go and then he went on the boat and he got swallowed by a fish and spit out, right? (laughs) Okay. And then you get to the end of the story of Yonah and then there's like one more chapter. Where he's sitting on this dune or hill
1: that's and yes. this, like, the
0: booth nice and the tree and the worm and the sun, and like, yeah. what is what is it? And then it's over, and you go on, and then you know, next year you come around again, and it's the story of Yonah and the fish and, <laughs> and, and Ninveh, and they do tshuva, which would be like the sort of the place you would expect it to stop. That should be the end of framing it. Okay. I mean, his life didn't right. stop, but like, it, much as he may have wished it did, right. and, and then it just there's this extra chapter. So in one way, it kind of goes on beyond what you expect, and in another way, it ends abruptly, because then you have this extra chapter, and Hashem says, so you felt compassion, or you had this feeling about the Kikayon tree that you didn't even put any work into, and you didn't raise it, it just came and went in a day.
1: Kikayon tree?
0: Yeah, this Kikayon tree. And shouldn't and do you think that I don't feel compassion for Ninve, which is so full of people and animals, and then it's over. It's like not it doesn't even sound like the end of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, it goes way past what you expect. I don't know about way past. It's not such a long book anyway. And on the other hand, it ends abruptly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: For the new for whatever this new topic is, and why is there a new topic, and why does it go on? Because if the lesson was The the lesson we assume, which is that this is about tshuva, so it's about Yonah going to Nineveh and telling them to do tshuva, which they do. Then why do we need another chapter? Meaning, you're always going to be (laughs) the Torah is going to be choosing which part of the story to tell us. So it's only going to tell us the parts that are important for the lesson that's being taught. So there's this extra piece. This window is open a little longer than that, which Where's suggests.
1: Where does the piece start? Chapter it's basically
0: four. chapter four. Yeah.
1: Oh, chapter four. And and does it end? What is this at the top here? Virtually all. No, never mind. No, no that's not it. Okay. okay. Yeah. Is no, it that's just another here. piece. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So. Um.
1: Pretty short, actually. It's
0: not a very long book in the first place. Right. But certainly, I think I'm going to take one of these so I can be on the same page as you. It's not very long, but we have to ask ourselves if the story isn't over until the end of Parakdalid, Because it's over. You know, in a Haftarah, you don't always read the whole thing. This is the whole book. This is it. (laughs) There aren't some other parts that we didn't read because... They weren't part of the Haftarah. Like, this is the whole thing. So if that's the case, that means that this was also part of the story that needed to be told. Are
1: you saying that this is the Haftarah is a book?
0: The Haftarah haftarah is is an an entire book. Yeah. That's it. There is no more of it. It's not like... like, Right. Right. Well, well, Rus, we do read the whole book of Rus. Okay, right. Right? right. But like on a normal week, you read a Haftarah, and it'll be a chapter from... Wherever Uh, it won't be, it's not the whole gracious, right? It's not the whole life of Abraham. It's like the Akedah part, starting at the beginning and ending at the end of that part of it. Uh,
1: Right.
0: Okay. This is the whole thing. But this is the whole thing, which means that that this isn't just that some piece was selected for the Haftara, but that this is the part of his life that was selected that's relevant for the whole book. Mm -hmm. So it's all one kind of story. Okay. Baruch, if you have a minute, I have two words that I wanted to ask you to translate, which Nelson translated for me last year, but I didn't write it down. Um, hang on. I don't need to like confuse everyone. Backdoor store. Okay. So one question was, why does it end like this at all? And that's really, I think, what has always bugged me the most is what is this about? It's hard to understand what it's about at all. And so then there's things that ki-kay-yum? jump out. Some kind of a tree. <clears throat> some, some kind of like a plant. A, a
1: corner. Ki-kay-yum. I don't know. I, don't know. I, heard it. I heard it translated as a vine. A vine. A vine with like brown leaves. <coughs> <coughs> a vine. I haven't heard, haven't
0: heard that. Okay. Let's see if of her, her she gives it A Okay. It
1: works. He
0: just translates it as Kikayom. <laughs> it's a plant of some sort. And in this case, a very fast-growing one. Okay. Another question. And this, I have not heard anyone ask this question. Okay, this is just my question. So, Perak Dalid, right? The fourth, fourth chapter. If we look at Husuk Hay and Vav, five and six. Vayete Yona min ha'ir. Yona left the city. Mikedam and he sat himself east of the city, and he made for himself there a booth. A sukkah. And he sat under it in its
1: shade
0: until he would be able to see what's going to be with this city. What chapter are we in here? Four. Chapter 4, Pasuk 5. I see. And God... Vayiman is like appointed or designated a kikayon, this tree, Vayaal Me and it raised up, it rose up over Yona, Lihiyosel al Rosho, to be a shade over his head, lo Lomi Raaso, to save him from his evil. I don't know what did they translate here. It
1: says
0: To save him from his discomfort. Right. That's a little different, but you could see why. And Yona rejoiced. He was so happy about this Kikayon Simcha Gadola. Great happiness. Okay, I got a lot of questions. Number one What is the purpose of the Kikayon tree? Well, if you asked me before last year, I would have said the purpose of the kikayon is to give him shade. Right. I said Shade. Exactly. Yeah. But he built a sukkah. He has shade. He's he sitting in the shade. shade. Yeah. He's hot, maybe. He oh, might but still be it's hot. A
1: shade from, Hashem. Came but from he's... Hashem. he felt a special. Kind okay. Of so
0: there's something. Yeah. You're right. You're right. But this is my right. Okay. Where?
1: It's not a.
0: Person. What's it for? Number one. Mm-hmm. Number two. Why is he so happy? Because how much difference is the shade if he's got shade? Another point is this vayiman. God appointed; he appointed. it. It's not the most common verb. Okay. God appointed a kikayon. You'll see in the next verse. God appoints a worm. Right. <laughs> and previously, there's other vayimans. I think there are at least two others. Let me see. I wrote them down one last year. One of them is one of the fish. I think. Let's see. What other vayimans did I find? Rav Hirsch also lists them, I saw this he designated time.
1: designated a large fish to swallow Jonah yeah. in chapter 2.
0: There's the fish, yeah, Perak Beis Yeralef, there's the Kikayon. there's the Tolas, and there's the eastern wind, Oh. the, the hot wind, also in mm. this Perik, at the, the end, the stifling and, east wind. And
1: none of these are human beings. Oh. These
0: are all Vaiman. those are not human beings, and they're all, like, appointed and designated. Right. Okay. And furthermore... And part of, why does he feel so happy about it? So we could say, well, because of the shade, but we already said, well, it can't be because of the shade. But let's think about Simcha gadol. Great. This is not even just happy. This is great happiness. It's a funny word. It's not relief. It's not he felt cooler. It's not even that he felt comforted because God had sent it to him. Mm -hmm. Simcha is, Rav Rav Simcha (laughs) Wasserman used to say, Simcha is a function of knowing purpose. Right? Um, there is no simcha, Chazal say, like the resolution of a doubt. So knowing that your doubt has been resolved, that's a source of simcha. Simcha has to do with knowing what you're there for, what the job is, what the mission is. Simcha can come, simcha gedola, we have that description in the end of Divrei HaYamin, the Aleph, where David HaMelech gathers together. Take a homage if you want. David gathers the people together and they collect all the money for the base Hamikdash, right? I'm always quoting this. Everything is from God and from your hand we give back to you, right? It says over there the people had simcha, they had great happiness. Why? They rejoiced and they ate and they drank. Why? Because they had taken all what Hashem had given them and they were dedicating it properly. The, The correct use, fulfilling your mission in life is a source of simcha, a sense of fulfilling mission. What does that have to do with this? God appoints a kikayon, it rises up over his head to protect him from what's bad, and he has simcha, great simcha. Sorry, like that seems a little strange. I'm happy that he's comfortable, but why simcha?
1: Maybe because he
0: feels forgiven for his his earlier... Yeah, could be. All these, these are all correct. I just like pointing out, like... Like, there's a lot of questions. It's a lot of questions anyway, because whenever you read this parak, you feel, I don't know about you, I always feel like, I, what is going on? I don't understand what's going on. There's a whole parak here. It may not be a very long parak, but still. And I feel like just, like, I don't have a shot. Like, forget about, you know, some kind of deeper, you know, the Vilna Gon reads the whole Yonahs. Yona is the Neshama, and the boat is the guv, and like That's great, but... I just say Pinocchio. Just, no, like, well, I have nothing. I have no...
1: Somehow it's There's sharp. no...
0: There's, like, nothing you can, you can grab into. You can hang... There's no handles it's a, it's here, apparently. So what I did last year was I was trying to look more closely at the words. The words themselves start jumping out, not just what the sentences are, but the individual words. So there was this vayiman, 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 vayiman. Like, what is that about? Um, this question of the simcha. If simcha is fulfilling purpose and using the gifts God gives us, Pro- that are properly dedicated to him and his service. So what is that going on over here? Why the Kikayon if he already has a Sukkah? What is the purpose of the Kikayon? I had some questions about this evil also. I'm not sure we're gonna go there today. Like what is this to save him from his bad? We'll, we'll touch on it, but but it follows through, like throughout. This parak starts with Eliona Okay, this is before like the heat wave. Okay, Eliona It it's like the opposite of Simcha Gadola. It is the opposite. Okay, There's like a contrast. It starts with he, he feels like it's very bad. And then it turns to the Simcha. And then it says Hashem is going to protect him from this Ra. Okay. And then the whole question of why is this parakir at all? What does it have to do with the rest of the story? Okay. So I found some sources that were helpful. And then today, really like last night and today, when I was putting this together, I said, well, I'll look at one or two other things. And I listened to one shear as I was going to sleep. And then Baruch Hashem, like all these little pieces that a year ago were not there, sort of came together. Okay. So one is a pasuk in Malachi, which we saw last year, Sukkot's time. Um, which says, kihine hayom ba. we, we brought it up last year, Sukha's time, because when we did Kohelis, there was a lot of under the sun. You remember? Mm-hmm. Nothing new under the sun, and what's the difference under the sun and sort of over the sun. <laughs> okay, so under the sun was that living... You know, I didn't think about it because I probably wrote these notes before we did that share. So that's something that would be interesting to like, look back at those notes and see how they inform this, right? That the being under the sun, that was like, and trying to be under a roof, that was being, um, that was a, the non Jews, that was the approach that said we just want to live in a world of physical and be protected from the natural world, which is a world that includes the Kedusha. They were trying to live in a world of six instead of a world of seven, and there's a correction for that on sukkahs, and we bring carbonos for all the nations, and we live in a sukkah where it doesn't really have a, really a proper roof. Okay, so over there we talked about this pasuk, that behold, the day will come that will burn like a furnace, and all of those who are sinners and who do wickedness, they will, they'll be burnt like straw, God says. And this sun will rise, this burning heat of the sun, which will intensify, will shine for those who have fear of God's name as a righteous and healing, uh, it will bring healing in its wings. Meaning this sun, that the same heat of the sun that will burn those who are wicked will be healing for those who are righteous. That was, that was what came up over there. It's the same sun. It and, destroys and where it there's hate, and it heals where there's Yerusha And this is in
1: Malachi? That's or? in
0: Malachi, Perakimel. Okay. Now there was another piece that seemed relevant here, which I saw in the Maharal's, in the Machzer Am Sukkis, where he quotes this Gemara in Baba Basra, which I have over here. That says this, as you heard, Amar Rava, Amar Rav Yochanan. Rava said, in the name of Rav Yochanan, "Asid hakadosh Baruch Hu suka latzadikim ei aroshalav In the future, get tight. Hashem is going to make a sukkah for the righteous people. Oh, tight, from the skin of the livyasan. Zacha, who, one who merits, osin lo sukkah, he'll have a sukkah. Lo zacha, if he doesn't merit, osin lo tzatzal, he'll have a shade. And I think Nelson suggested it was almost more like an umbrella shade, like something like a small shade, not a whole sukkah wind. that would protect so you all around. No, Bar- that was Baruch. Baruch, oh, said, no. Baruch was saying that the verse that has the word tzatzal Talks about the shade of wings. But this is not saying anything about wings. Okay, If he merits, it, they'll make for him a shade. If he doesn't merit, they'll make for him a necklace. Some kind of, I don't know that it means necessarily a necklace, it could be like a, a sash, like something white or a scarf, hmm. something like that. So it's some kind of protection, but it doesn't protect the whole self. It just protects part of you. If he merits. He'll have this, whether it's a scarf or a cape or a necklace, right? Lozacha doesn't merit, he'll have a kamiya, like an amulet.
1: Like, a kamiya.
0: Yeah, but this doesn't mean necessarily like a Kabbalistic kamiya, right? It's oh. just an amulet, like a, okay, a yeah. charm. a charm, Hanging, the thing okay. that hangs off the necklace, but not the whole thing. Ah. Okay. Okay. And the light will shine from one end of the world to the other. Okay. So that's interesting because why each level over here is clearly lower than the one before. Right, one is more shade, one is less. The shade is protecting from what? So normally shade is protecting from the sun. But one of the indicators over here is that it didn't say, it did say it was very hot. But it didn't say it was protecting him from the sun, what Hashem made for him. When Hashem makes shade for him, it's to save him from his Ra'a. That's what it saves him from. And I think that in light of the puzzle and Malachi, we could maybe draw some, connect some dots and say the same sun that heals where there's righteousness, right, does damage where there's sin. And nobody is perfect, everybody has some sin. So this shade that Hashem will do for the tzaddikim, it's true that there are these different sizes of shade, but they're <laughs> still all righteous people. So the, the, the protection here is from your sins, that the more righteous someone is, the more protection they will have, even from the sins that they do have, that Hashem will help them with that. <laughs> Baruch said something very beautiful on Yantif about honey. I don't remember where he said he saw he may not have said he said honey is an interesting thing we eat honey on rosh hashanah right Mm -hmm. so he said honey is made by bees and when you take the honey from the honeycomb it's normal that there's parts of bees in it legs Mm -hmm. legs and things there's body parts of the bees in the honey but they dissolve into the honey and they become part of the honey and the honey is kosher that's not any problem with the honey. So he said one reason why we have honey on Rosh Hashanah is it's an expression of our that we should be fundamentally righteous and that there will be sins, there will be impurities, but that in doing tshuva, where our impurities also become part of a correction, so they become part of the good whole and that they shouldn't be actually a blemish in us, but they should become yet another part of the whole that's yeah, very nice. sweet and good. Yeah, it was very very nice. Okay. Idea of honey.
1: Right yeah.
0: Now. Okay. Okay. So I'm still left with the question: With what is it that seemed bad to Yona? What was bad to Yona? And how is the kikayon sheltering him specifically from that badness? And then why is, he so dis- why, why is his reaction to that simcha, which doesn't seem like the expected reaction, we would expect some other word to explain that he was happy about it, and then how incredibly devastated he is afterward, and the lesson he learns, which then abruptly ends it all. Now it's over. So, somehow, this is the lesson. What seemed bad to him and how he handled it and then how Hashem responded and then took it away and then taught him a lesson from it. That seems to be a key message and you can even see that because the message keeps coming over and over again. So for example, it was bad to Yonah, this is the beginning of by Dalet, and he was angry and he davened to Hashem. And he said, "Isn't this what I said all along?"
1: It, it has such different words than bad and angry. It has this displeased. Yeah, because grieved him. Right,
0: I I mean, I'm speaking like, strongly, yeah, but I'm just yeah. using the same word right, again because so, it says ra. Ra is oh, like it does say ra. Va ye ra el yona ra a yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's what uh, it yeah, says.
1: So many different nuances. in
0: Yeah. Then okay, and he says, "Cause I knew you that you Hashem are, are your are patient and you're merciful." And you'll you'll be able to forgive the Ra. So just let me die. It's better I should die than that I should live. And Hashem said, So there's a lot of explanations of that. The way Rabbi Reisman reads it is, Okay, you good and angry now? Which is interesting. (laughs) way to read it. Here they said, are you really so deeply grieved? Which makes it sound like God's saying, oh, I had no idea. Were you so upset? Never mind. Let me fix it for you. Which doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Okay, that for sure doesn't make sense because number one, God knows how he's feeling. Number two, like, what could be meaner than saying, oh, let me fix it for you. Here, you can have a palm tree. No, let me take it away. Like, that's just teasing. So none of that makes any sense anyway. Okay. I'm not exactly certain what it means, by the way haralach. By the way, I saw somewhere. It might have been in my own notes before I credit this to anybody. <laughs> Hashem said it doesn't say Hashem said to Yona. Oh. Now throughout the Torah, there's many places where Hashem says things and it doesn't say it was addressing anyone in particular. Hashem Yehi Or, like, <laughs> it doesn't mean he's talking to somebody. It means he said it. There's a reality there, but it doesn't actually have to mean that that's part of the nevuah.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, just pointing that out. Uh-huh. Okay, Hashem said, "Haheitev haralach." We have a word that's similar, which is "heitev." Who heitev? Who metiv Who God does good. I don't think it's a stretch to say, and Hashem said, "Is that is the doing it good, angering you?" I'm doing good. Does that anger you? And Yonah went out of the city and he sat over there and he, he, and he made a sukkah and he sat in the shade of the sukkah. He's waiting to see what will happen to the city. Which means that even though the story already told us they did all this tshuva and God was happy with them, somehow Yonah is still in some kind of tension about what the outcome will be. And God appoints the kikayon and he's, all of a sudden, now Yonah feels happy. Now he feels a happiness. So somehow, the kikayon grows, which as Hashem tells him afterward, you didn't do anything to grow it. So where's your simcha coming from? Do you see how that, I, meaning I still don't yeah, understand, I understand what the simcha was, but the fact that well, yeah, I've that come and said simcha is a function of knowing purpose. Right. Simcha is a function of feeling that you fulfilled a mission. And Hashem comes and says, you didn't work on that. That's appropriate as a response to misplaced simcha. Even though I still don't understand what was going on in Yona's mind mm-hmm. to say that he felt the simcha, but at least, of course, it, that helps make Hashem's answer clear as to why do you feel sim, why do you feel that your simcha was taken away about something you didn't put any effort into? Because simcha does come from putting in effort. Okay. And he sends him this, hang on one second. And then there's this, this harsh wind, and he feels faint. And again he says, um, he feels like he could just, he he wishes he would die. And he says it would be better to be dead than to be alive. Vayomir elokim el Yonah, this is not the same as the other Pasuk, Now Hashem says to Yona, Hehe Tevharalcha, Alaki Kayon. I really think it means, is it in the doing good is making you angry? But
1: why is he overreacting and saying. Well,
0: he's I not mean, overreacting, right? But like, why, why would why he, is why, he is why, why is he depressed?
1: Right, it sounds like he's depressed? manic depressed.
0: He's bipolar. One minute he's happy, one minute he's depressed. This he's not, though. We're going to get there. Okay. And Yonah and said, Hey, Tev Harali, Ad moves. Yeah, like, this kind of doing good, this makes me angry, ready to die. And then Hashem answers him. If that's how you feel even about something you didn't work on, imagine how I feel about a, a country that I've been watching for thousands of years and nurturing them along. OK. All right, we're still not quite there, but hang on. <laughs> All right. So I think to understand this, what we really have to do is look at the whole book. <laughs> Of course we have to, but that's helpful because not only will we get insight into this last chapter, but hopefully we'll start to see that it's one long story instead of like a story for three chapters and then this fourth like appendix or epilogue that, that doesn't appear to be connected to what happened before other than incidentally. Like while he was waiting to see what happened, this other situation happened which is really what it sort of sounds like most of the time. Okay. I think there's a clue here. This is, again, a lot of it is just me thinking. But soon I'm going to get to some sources I found, which I love the approach. But I want to share with you these thoughts also. Not because they're all right, because they might not me, be, but because I want to share with you like what, how I got from where I was to where I'm getting, okay? When he says here in Pasuk Gimel, the third Pasuk, he says, I'm so upset. Didn't I say that I wanted to run away? I didn't want to be here. Ve'ato, and now, Hashem, take my soul from me. It's better to... My death would be better than my life. Okay? He's not suicidal. He's asking Hashem. Okay. But that's interesting that it starts with Gezintayim, with the word ve'atah. Because Chazal have told us, e'en atah El tshuva. The word atah, now, is a word that tells you chuva. There's an opening of chuva. Okay, now that, it's surprising only because I didn't understand there was chuva happening in this parak. It's not surprising, because it's Yom Kippur. (laughs) And this whole story was about some kind of tshuva. And something has changed from the beginning of this little chapter to the end, but I don't know what it is. Because in the beginning, he says he's upset and would rather die. And at the end, he says he's upset and rather would die. But then there's this like closing statement from God and then the whole book ends, which suggests that, that now no more message is necessary, meaning he did get the point. Whatever this message is that Hashem sent him was something he needed to hear and he heard it.
1: But how does it show in the tshuva?
0: The word ve'ata, no, so I that's don't... a whole different shir. We did it a year or two ago. Okay. But the word vata and now in Torah always means that this is an opportune moment for tshuva, consistently.
1: Whenever it, okay?
0: Whenever it says vata with an ayin, which means now, ayin. not yeah. you, it means now. Okay? And it has to do with the idea that tshuva starts with a feeling of emotion and immediacy. Like, oh my gosh, look at where I've come to, look at where I am, look at what my life has become. It's not a looking back and saying, oh, I sinned, or where do I want to be? Those follow. Mm-hmm. Real chuva starts with a feeling in the here and now, a realization of where I am now, and then goes to the past and says, what has, how did I get here? What did I do wrong? How have I fallen short? And then to the future, what could I do differently to make it different and fix it? Okay. All right, so now I'm going to try and share some thoughts that are maybe a little closer to answers than the questions a little bit. One is Rashi. Rashi says at the beginning of Yona. What did Yonah see that made him not want to go to Nineveh? So we've got to go back to the beginning, right? There's like all these little bits of Yona. There's Hashem giving him a Nivua and he runs, and he goes on the boat. And the storm in the boat, and they, he says, you could throw me overboard. And then there's the fish. And then he's spat out of the fish. And then he goes to Nineveh, and he actually prophesizes to Nineveh. And they do tshuva. And then there's finally the bit with the Kikayon. Okay. So, what did Yonah see that made him resist going to Nineveh? And Rashi answers. He said, the non Jews are likely to do tshuva. I mean, these people in Ashur, I think last year we mentioned, like, Ashur was the mortal enemy of, the, of Israel at this time. They're the ones who come in and, like, trample and, and take away ten tribes. It's like a terrible thing what's going on with Ashur as the enemy. It was a huge empire and a mighty empire, but it was also a nearby enemy of the nation. So it wasn't just like you're telling me I have to go it would be like saying go to ISIS and tell them that they need to repent. They can't go on like this or I'm gonna wipe them out. Then if I were the prophet, I would probably do like Yonah and jump off a boat. <laughs> right? Say I'm not, I didn't sign up for this.
1: Are you saying it's the tribe of Asher?
0: No, it's not a tribe, not Asher, Ashur. Assyria. Oh, Assyria.
1: Assyria, oh. oh, oh
0: Ninveh okay. is the capital okay, of Assyria. Okay, so he's being told, go to, you know, Kabul or somewhere. Okay. And tell the people of ISIS that they have to repent or else I'm going to destroy them. And I would say, well, good on them. Hmm. Are you kidding? I'd rather not give them the message. Pretend I gave them the message. Ooh, I, I, I left it on your voicemail. <laughs> right? And hope they never notice. Let that bet be done with them. We'd much rather be done with them. Okay? He says that they're likely to listen if I tell them that they have to do tshuva, which means I will be mechaiv the Jewish people. So one is he'll be mechaiv them like, like he's actually risking them, like it'd be much better to be done with Ashur as far as mortal eyes can tell, even a Navi. And second of all, the Jewish people, plenty of times, Eliyahu Hanavi told them, stop with the Baal. And did they listen? Okay, Because Yonah was a student of Elisha, who was the student of Eliyahu. Did they always listen? Not so much. And it only got worse after that. Okay, when you get to Yonah, and then you're going to get to the later prophets. You know, Yirmiah, Zechariah was killed in the Beis HaMikdash, and he was a coin, like, and his blood bubbled, and the, like, okay, like, they didn't always listen. So, how's this going to look? So, in heaven, it's going to be the next Rosh Hashanah, the next Yom Kippur, and the Jews are going to say, oh, save us, Hashem, and he's going to say, save you, right? The Assyrians are going to come marching in, and the Jews are going to dive, and say, save us from the Assyrians, and God's going to say... Okay, the Assyrians, I send them a navi and tell them to do tshuva, and they did tshuva. You, I send you 48 naviim, and you don't do tshuva. So who should I save? Okay, it looks very bad. I'm not saying he wouldn't have saved us anyway. Just saying, it looks very bad. So Yonah's looking at this, and he says, no way. He doesn't want to go. Okay, the next piece is a maharal. This is in... It's brought in the Maharal Machser on Yom Kippur. So
1: that's all Rashi says?
0: That's Rashi over there. know he says a lot of other things. But that's what he says over there on that topic. Okay? He says he was concerned. He, he didn't, he, why is he running from the nevuah? Why is he running from God? He can't get away from God. What he can try and do is get himself out of the way of actually fulfilling the prophecy. He doesn't want to do what he is sent to do, Okay, which is right there a big clue. That's how it all starts. God says, go do a job. And he says, I don't want to do the job, for very good reasons. Okay. One way of understanding it is that he understood that he was being tested to see, will he be Moser Nefesh for the Jewish people? Is he willing to die for the sake of the Jewish people? Which he was. He was, in fact, willing to die. He's going to be Chay of Misa. You're not allowed to suppress a prophecy. And, and he knows it. He's like, yeah, you know, halachically, you can throw me overboard. Mm-hmm. He can't, like, he can't throw himself overboard. Now let's do that. Now let's kill yourself, right? But he could tell them, halacha lamaisa, like, you have a question. You've got somebody on board who's endangering you. You could throw him overboard. And they do, right? Yeah. Like, and wh- why? Because, like, he, anyway, he knows he's a goner, right? And he's, okay. So there's a big parallel here to the Akedah and being willing. There's a certain kind of willingness to give can himself up for Faiso, For sure. For sure. Okay. So the Maharal says over here, he says, obviously Jonah didn't think he could run from God. You know, Rev Hirsch puts it like, God doesn't give prophecy to simple things. Like, he says it like, uh, if we consider that according to Jewish teaching, the spirit of God does not rest on the simple-minded, on people who are mentally and morally immature, but on the contrary, the highest spiritual, intellectual, and moral accomplishments must first make them worthy to be chosen as prophets. Okay, so like, you know... He, Every little kid knows Hashem is here, Hashem is there, Hashem is truly everywhere. Nice. So it can't be that. But nonetheless, says Mahara, the fact that he was acting in a way that said he can run from fulfilling the mission, mm-hmm. and he gives different explanations, meaning he can run because the prophecy wasn't fully formed. It was only the beginning of the prophecy. So if he goes out onto the water and leaves Israel, and this was his first prophecy. I mean, think, you know, (laughs) his very first prophecy is go to Nineveh and tell them. So his very first prophecy. So he was thinking, like, any Navi can only get prophecy if at least it has to start in Israel. After that, he could keep prophesizing outside. So he's thinking if he can just get on a boat and get away Maybe he won't become a Navi all the way somehow, like maybe it's not completed, right? So he's sabotaging, Rav Hirsch points out also, it doesn't say he's running Mipne Hashem from before God, it says Milivne Hashem before God, which means, which is like what we use in terms of doing a duty. You see how he puts it. Like, Yihiratzon milifne milfanecha Hashem. Right? That's when Hashem is sending out the ratzon. We describe that as milifne. It doesn't describe standing before him, despite the art scroll translation. Here, let me see. He says here. Also, this is
1: his first first one, and maybe he's not Mm -hmm. even used to. He's getting used to the idea that he's gonna be that he's a prophet. This is
0: not what he thought it was gonna be like, yeah. <laughs>
1: That's not what I signed up for. <laughs> not what he signed up for.
0: Okay. <clears throat> okay. Here it is. Melifne Hashem, literally away from standing before God. That's what Melifne Hashem means. From Lifne Hashem would be standing before God. What he seems to have in mind was the idea that the state of prophecy could only be attained in the first place on the soil of the Holy Land. And once he had become a prophet, he could receive the word of God anywhere. Which is why, this if it hadn't been his very first prophecy, he wouldn't have thought that that was a possibility either. Right.
1: So his first prophecy did not happen in Israel, or he was in Israel first? He
0: was there, and then he ran for it. He he said, maybe if I quick, get on a boat. Oh, I see, So, Maharal says this. Nonetheless, in expressing himself and his behavior as if he can run from his mission from God, for all of these good reasons, meaning Mesiris Nefesh, love of Kla Yisrael, you know, just not being able to see how this will do any good for anybody. Nonetheless, it is a miut, a minimization of Kavar Hashem in the world. Because remember, we're talking about Kavar Hashem means the physical expression in the world of God's greatness. And Hashem sending someone on a mission and the person is resisting it. it if a person does the mission of God, you are a willing tool of His will. So then you become a channel which expresses God's will into the world. So it's a channel of Kavod Shemayim. The opposite then is a minimization of Kavod Shemayim.
1: Also, not succeeding the mission, I mean, being able to show that a nation can bend their own will to Hashem's...
0: But that, that would seem to be a positive thing.
1: Yeah. Or but it didn't to him. Jewish right, people. it didn't
0: seem positive to him. He says, It's as if he's saying there's some other force outside of God. Uh, the running away saying like oh I'll go over here and I'll like subvert the mission or the purpose that God has set is a little bit like as if saying that there's some kind of way you could do that which is not true you can't but saying that is a minimizing of God's yeah. glory because even when a person sins that is a minimization of God's glory but they can't thwart God's will he will make it happen he has many messengers Like wind, like fish, like kikayon, like worms, not to mention other Nevi'im. He has many messengers. His will will be done anyway. It's just a question of that. So this running from that opportunity to glorify Hashem, he says, that's why he's punished in the sea. And he goes on the sea, and there's this storm on the sea, and he's thrown into the sea, and finally comes out of the sea. That's what happened with the Red Sea originally. With Mitzrayim, God's glory is shown through his power and action and control over the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? And nothing can stop him. And they get to the Red Sea, and that is the final maximum conclusion of that message. The Maharal doesn't say this, but it's got to be, you know, Chazal tell us that at the Red Sea it says the mitzrim all died adichad unto up unto one which like the pshat is like every single one. But if you look at the words literally, it means like, except one. Mm-hmm. Up until the last one, who didn't, presumably, and that that was Paro, and that all the mitsrim died in the Red Sea except Paro, who managed to be spit back out mm-hmm. and went on to a new career as the king of Nineveh. Right? So Paro's, OK, so that's by any way fascinating. You can imagine Paro's face. Now, Yona may not have known that this was Paro. I don't know how, how well known this was. Now you can imagine. So here's this king. He's sitting there in the city. They're not so amazing, but you know they're doing well. It's a growing empire. He's an effective king. And a Jewish prophet shows up and says, the Jewish God has said that if you do not repent, he'll destroy the city. He's and like, the king okay, goes,
1: "Oh my gosh,
0: not again!" <laughs> yeah, right? That's like wham. Okay, this was totally anticipated. Yonah, <laughs> Yonah didn't get no that would happen. Certainly, the other people of Nineveh didn't know. Okay, but if you know that it's Paro, you could understand why he got an immediate no reaction. It says he didn't. He just barely started. Working his way around the city, and this huge wave, like, everyone's like, the king's like, everyone do tshuva or off with your heads. Like, that's it. Like, not enough that God says you'll die. I'll kill you first. Like, everyone, you got to repent. So, wait a
1: minute. So, so, so Paro is had it a paro. long
0: life. Paro had a long life, according and also, to Hashem. also,
1: Paro what became a believer in Hashem? Or oh, for I sure mean, he did.
0: He did it. already at Yitzhak Machayim okay. and then, the Suf.
1: Okay. That the Machayim saw what they didn't could see.
0: Why does he have to convert?
1: Why does all he could life- believe in God
0: and not convert. Oh. I
1: don't know. He doesn't have to convert. He just yeah. believe in God. Okay.
0: I good. See. And he could fulfill his mission in life. And he does a good job. And he's a good king and whatever. Okay? He a little lax in the Chuva department. But once he's reminded, he gets back on the ball. And Okay. So I, I think you can't, like... You, the fact that there's this, this thing of being thrown into the sea and spit out again is not a coincidence, basically. Oh my God. Okay. The next piece... Is this. Oh boy. Okay. This is from Taima Dikra, which is the stifler, Rav Kanyevsky, Kanievsky, the father of Rav Kanyevsky. Kanievsky, that the day should come that that's how we describe him. <laughs> um, on Yona, He has a few points on Yona, but he says this. He says, when Yonah said to the sailors that they could pick him up and throw him into the sea. So why did he say that? Because he was resisting going to do this Nivua, because he thought that it would be a prosecution against the Jewish people. It would work against the Jewish people, which is what Rashi explained. And he wanted to give his life for the sake of the Jewish people. And that's what the Medrash and the Mechilta teaches us that Yonah was watching out for the covet of the son. He may not have been acting with the covet of the father, meaning God, but he is watching out for the covet of the son, which is another way of watching for the covet of the father. Parents appreciate if you watch out for the covet of their son, too. Right? A a, a loving father who's angry at his son will be happy at someone who comes and defends the son successfully to him. Okay? That's not a bad thing. So Rav Yonah's son says, this is apparently in the Mechilta, that Yonah was actually going in order to kill himself in the sea. He's going to commit suicide, except he's not allowed to commit suicide. So he's just basically going wherever it's dangerous. Okay? And he said, you can lift me up and throw me into the sea. And we do see with other neviim that they were willing to give themselves up for the Jewish people. Right? Moshe said, if you won't forgive the people, erase me also from the book. Like, this is okay. So he certainly thought that it was God's will in other words, he thought that it was God's will that he should be willing, that he was doing the right thing. He mm-hmm. thought, even though God said go do something, he thought that by not doing it, he's doing the right thing. He's doing God's will. That this was a test. This whole message was perhaps a very difficult Nisayon to see if he'll give himself up for the sake of the Jewish people and in that way be worthy. Okay.
1: He sort of Rav, he, Rav Hirsch he, he, he says, says
0: okay. yeah, Rehearse uh, says. It's
1: weird. Yeah. He's
0: not taking God's word. Yeah, right. As it
1: should
0: have been. As it, He's not, not taking it as straight. Mm-hmm. He's saying, God's telling me to do this. Can't possibly be I should do this. But God's telling me to do this. So I'll himself. stand up, right? But sometimes Hashem says, don't, Hashem says to Moshe, don't daven to me anymore. And Moshe understood from that, oh, I should daven. How? Like, how do you know? Okay, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so here's what Refersh says there is a theme here yeah. that answers it in a way. Uh-huh. Okay. Rav Hirsch says, this is unbelievable, he says, this story, it's true that it's a story about Shuva, and it's true it's a story about Ninveh, and it's true, but you know what it is? We're being shown here, from the beginning to the end of the book, is one story, and it's showing us how God educates a man who is already of high spiritual standing to be a prophet. This is his first shlichus, his first being sent out on a mission, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and sort of like to pop the punchline in advance, right? All the things that Jonah thinks are the purpose of the mission are kind of secondary. The bigger mission here is him. Mm -hmm. It's turning him into being a prophet. This is a big change. The whole story forms the beginning of his mission and presents itself as his education, as being trained to be a prophet. And this really holds together the whole book. So now, if we go back and we look through this sefer again, what we see is a new way of understanding it, which Yonah, from where he stood, could not really see. Or at least if he did see it, it was only at the end. But all along, he didn't see it. It was a process.
1: It also, if you place on. Also very true.
0: Yeah, it doesn't so contradict it. It's just this understanding, the training of, of the person, yeah. and that the higher and loftier the person, the more it is that Hashem is speaking to him through these different mm-hmm. events that go on. Okay.
1: It, it sounded like you said that Yelma thought that was the case, that, that he thought this was a test.
0: So that, that was right. Rav Re- Re- Yaakov Khamenevsky 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 Khamenevsky> mm-hmm. said he thought the test was to see if he'll be Moser Nefesh. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if we see everything in this sense, then we can look now at the story fresh and see that it's consistent all the way through, from the beginning straight through to the end. So going back to Rav Chaim Kanievsky, I'm going to switch a little bit back and forth between Rav Chaim Kanievsky and the Rav Hirsch and my own thoughts on that together is Hashem appointed a kikayon. Hashem appointed a worm. Hashem appointed a harsh wind. <clears throat> Hashem appointed the fish. Some of these are expressed with Midas Harachimim, some of them with Midas Hadin. With the Kikayon, it's Rachamim and Din, Hashem elokim, because on the one hand it's also protecting him. And on the other hand, it's going to bring him pain. Meaning Hashem is doing for him in a way that will be uh, comfortable and a way that will be uncomfortable. He's getting both. From this Kikayon, so it's a Hashem Elohim. With the worm, it's only Midas Hadin. It's only that Hashem, that Elohim sent it. Okay. But that's all part of the same piece of story. Meaning, it's all part of the same plan. He's going to experience some of it as sweet and rachamim. And he's going to experience some of it as din. But it's all part of one plan. So... He says, what was, what was Yonah upset about when that plant died? He says, really, we would think at first glance that you couldn't say chasta alaki. Chas is like having rachmonos, <laughs> right? Chus v'rachim Like What do you mean you have Rahmanas on a plant? Like, probably it was on himself. I'm uncomfortable now. Now I don't feel good. Now I'm hotter. But that's not, right, but that's not what Hashem said. Hashem said, You felt this feeling of chus about it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Hashem is really testifying how he felt. Mm-hmm. Okay, now the fact that he already had a sukkah, I think, helps to explain. It's not because it made him less comfortable. Now he's suffering more physically from the sun, he has shade anyway. What's different is he was sitting there because he was waiting to see what was going to happen with the city. That's the pasuk. Mm -hmm. In other words, Yonah's trying to understand what is the plan? Mm -hmm. What is really going on? And when the plant grew, he felt that it was a sign from heaven. It was like that medrash that says that God will make shade for the righteous to save them from their sins. And that's what the Pasuk said. God made it to protect him from the bad. So he took that as a sign of encouragement. Here he felt that he was a failure. He said, I'm a failure. I failed to even die al Kiddush Hashem, or whatever, for the sake of the Jewish people. I've come and given this message. And by the way, the the Pasuk says that Hashem forgave them but he's still waiting to see what happens to the city. So from his point of view, he came and he said, God's gonna destroy the city in 40 days, because that's what he was told to say. Not if you do it then. He was told to say, God's gonna destroy the city in 40 days. And now he's waiting to see, because it looks like it's still there. And you feel pretty stupid if you're a prophet, and you say, now you know that if people do tshuva, then they'll be saved. Okay, even a bad prophecy doesn't have to come true. If people do tshuva, that changes the whole reality. But man, you feel stupid. And what do you think the people of Ninveh are going to think about you? How are they going to treat you? Being a, being a Navi is no guarantee that your life is safe. Yishaya was killed. Zachariah was killed, right? It's, you can't get a life insurance policy for a Navi. Forget it, right? Like, you have to say a lot of unpopular things. And then if it doesn't happen because the people did do tshuva, then who knows what they're going to think about you. Everything he feels mm-hmm. like is a failure. That's why he keeps saying it would be better to die than to be alive. Mm-hmm. Because it would be better that I didn't live than, be- than living and failing and not fulfilling God's mission. So he's sitting there and all of a sudden this kikayon grows. And it's like, oh, maybe I'm not so bad after all. Maybe really Hashem is giving me a message that in some way I'm not a failure. I'm actually righteous. And then it rots and it's gone. And so that's why when it grows, he feels simcha gedola. It's about his mission and purpose. It's, it really is. It has nothing to do with the work he put into the plant. He didn't put it in It's what the plant represents. And then it's gone,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which puts him right back where he started. So now he's totally confused. I'm sitting here waiting to understand the plan, and I'm back. It's worse than before. Now it's even more confusing. Okay. His Icar anger was on himself, says Rzhakov Kanievsky, And the anger was that he couldn't understand what was going on. He didn't understand why he was given the prophecy in the first place. He didn't understand why he should go and tell us. He didn't understand why he wasn't allowed to stop. Thank you. He wasn't, didn't understand why he wasn't allowed to be Moser Nefesh. Here he's trying to be Moser Nefesh for them. Even that wasn't allowed. He didn't understand why he gives the prophecy and What are they doing about it, not doing about it? He doesn't understand why the Kikayon comes and why the Kikayon goes. But reverse really clued us in. The mission over here is the education of the Navi. Mm -hmm. And and the education of a great man to be a Navi. Do
1: we hear more about Yonah?
0: Almost nothing. There's little bits of him here and there. He did go on to be a Navi. I mean, in other areas, and he interacted with kings. But this is his big story. Mm And the message is that what you think is a big catastrophe, right? This parak started with, and it was bad to him. It was bad for Yonah in his eyes. What you thought was a big catastrophe was not a catastrophe. In other words, your job in the moment is not to figure out what God's plan is. Because you don't know. Your job from the beginning to the end is to know, in this moment, what's Hashem's will? And what is the message of tshuva? Because this story, as Rashi and Abarbanel teach us, the story of Yonah is teaching us to shoot the power of tshuva and is teaching us about hashkacha pratis. Hashkacha pratis, right? It's the same thing. It's understanding that Hashem controls everything. He will send a fish, He will send a wind, He will send a boat, He will send a man, He will send a tree, He will send a worm. He will send a wind, whatever it is. God controls everything. It's the ultimate hashkacha pratis And when a person is fully absorbed in that thought, that's your that's being constantly cognizant of God's total power and control over the world, that is a source of simcha. Because now I also see myself as a tool in the hands of God. And that's ultimately what a Navi needs to be in a much higher level. Navi is a mouthpiece for God. That's what his job is. He has to see himself not as the one who's controlling the situation, but as the one who's fulfilling God's will to the world. And that is a source of simcha, because as long as you're constantly thinking that Hashem is controlling the world, then you're giving yourself over to be the happy tool of that. Mm -hmm. And it was only when he is hung up on what the plan is and what the outcomes will be, which it's important to think ahead. It's not, right? But, but this is the mitzvah here, right? Rabbi Reisman gave a wonderful example. He said he was, he, was, he learns in Or Sameach in the summer times. And there was a bacher who got locked in a bathroom like on Friday night or something. And they couldn't get the door open. And so the next day in the base magic, everyone was talking about. So, what should he have done? What if you never get it open? Are you allowed to lift the door off the hinges? Are you allowed to break it down? You, what do you do? Okay. And he said, well, the truth is, breaking down a door, lifting a door off the hinges is nisr da isa, So, probably you have to stay in the bathroom. Right. And then, so one voice said to him, yeah, but what about kiddish? What about chalent? What about, you know, mozi? What about learning? What about davening? You know, he's in a bathroom. Like, what's it? Okay. So Lamaisa, we think our avoda on Shabbos is is to do those things, which it normally is. But if God has seen fit to lock you in a bathroom, then apparently it's not. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) Like, right, right? like, you understand? Like, this is, if God has seen fit to send you to do this job, then apparently it's not. And I think there's a sort of a, and and I'm sure there's more beyond the plan of educating Yona. I'm sure there are other but I think I wanted to point out that there is a very sweet irony, which is that he was so concerned about teaching Klai Yisrael. And, he was a, and every single year, we learn from him about shuva. Not only the shuva of Ninveh; it's his own shuva, where he says, you know what, Hashem, you were right. He says, yeah, you, this, this was right, what you did. He says, he, he answers back, hey, tziv, You were right, you can say it like this, you were right to be angry at me. (laughs) You can read it that way also, right? And that's a longer lasting tothulcha and a more successful one than he probably could have dreamed of on his own. So if tshuva is changing our will to be whatever God's will is, whatever is God's will, that's what I want to be my will. And I want to make that my will. That's not just like passive, right? That's like, that's what I want, is to be doing Hashem's will. So through that, I'm going to fix what I've done wrong. But through that, I'm going to fix what I'm going forward. So then there's a challenge to learn, which is, what is his will? And that he is guiding that through all the events in our lives and sending us to where we, that is, there's a lesson here from Yona about tshuva, about what it means to understand that God's will, we, we're human, even a Navi isn't always going to know what was God's plan, right? Moshe said, show me. Right. And Hashem said, no, you're not going to see it. Not in your lifetime. You're not going to see it. So this is, I, this is that difference between Dayan Ha'emes and Tova HaMetiv. When we experience things and we try and sweeten the din, we try and understand that the din is really, is really good, but we don't experience it as good. And that's also part of it, that like, Accepting that into ourselves, that's the message of the whole book, right? Because when we say, I'm trying to do good, so why would Hashem do this to me?
1: I had that well, situation in Rosh Hashem. I mean, it, it happens there, to us all the time, right? With, you know, like, for example, I had ants. Oh And I had to do the cooking. And, and the ants, and I said, why are you why would you stop me from doing what you want cooking i have to do what kind of science is this what am i what did i do that i you know why so i'm like going through it and just like thinking about how (laughs) awful you know i get the ants and i'm just doing whatever but the ants stopped right at a certain point no more ants and i said and i kept checking i said wait Mm -hmm. there's no more ants like this was my answer. There was, it was like it gave me a feeling of that, yeah. I, that I was in the moment or being with yeah. this, this. That that was the minute. moment. That was it. That well, was you could experience. say,
0: like, why would this happen to me if I'm doing yeah. the right thing? Yeah. The answers and then when it's, could be now. I'm asking a different thing of you than what you thought was your right thing.
1: I know. And, but I was shocked that the ants that finally yeah. when I'm, that the ants. He even six.
0: controls ants.
1: Yes. And
0: yeah. that was shocking to me. Wow, that's amazing, amazing story. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Gamara chasima tovah.
1: Gamara